0: read the scriptures that we're going to be looking at today and then uh, what we'll do, we'll pray and then we'll turn to the scriptures.
1: I'm reading from Luke 19, verse 28 to the end. And I'm reading from the New King James Version, so it may be slightly different from yours. When he had said this, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. And it came to pass when he drew near to Bethphage and Bethany, at the mountain called Olivet, that he sent two of his disciples, saying, Go into the village opposite you, where as you enter you will find a colt tied, on which no one has ever sat. Loose it and bring it here. And if anyone asks you, why you loosen it? Thus you shall say to him, because the Lord has need of it. So those who went, so those who were sent, went to their way and found it just as he had said to them. But as they were loosing the colt, the owners of it said to them, "Why are you loosing the colt?" And they said, "Because the Lord has need of him." Then they brought him to Jesus, and they threw their own clothes on the colt and they set Jesus on him. And as he went, many spread their clothes on the road. Then as he was now drawing near to the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees called to him from the crowd, Teacher! Rebuke your disciples. But he answered and said to them, I tell you that if these should keep silent, the stones would immediately cry out. Now as he drew near, he saw the city and wept over it, saying, If you had known, even you, especially in this your day, the things that make for your peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. For days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment around you, surround you and close you in on every side and level you and your children within you to the ground and they will not leave you in one stone upon another because you did not know your time of visitation. Then he went into the temple and began to drive out those who bought and sold in it, saying to them, It is written, My house is a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. And he was teaching daily in the temple, but the chief priests and the scribes and the leaders of the people sought to destroy him and were unable to do anything. For all the people were very attentive to hear him.
0: Lovely, thank you for that, David. For those who don't know know me, my name's Ray, part of the leadership here at Jubilee. It's really good to see you this morning and a warm welcome to you. And I hope that that our fellowship together this morning will be a time of uh, rejoicing for the Lord. Let's just uh, pray before we begin. Thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you for your word, we praise you, that you've given us your word to look at, Lord, and I pray that this morning as we look into your word, that Holy Spirit, that you will come and that you will speak to us this morning. We thank you for your presence in this place, we thank you for all that you've done so far this morning. We would ask that you would have your way with us and that you would transform us to be more like our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. The Lord, you'll put in our hearts a passion and a desire to love you and to serve you, to honour you in our lives. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, and have your way this morning. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. As per usual, I've got lots to say. Um, I'm trying to see what parts I can cut out because... um, I just really want to um, rely on the Lord just to speak, continue to speak to us this morning. Thank you to the band. Thank you, Kevin, for your uh, exaltation to us this morning about reaching the lost. Um, that was the heart of the gospel. That is the heart of the gospel. And that should be our heart also. And this morning we we'll to be looking at Luke chapter 19. This is uh, in our normal um, series that we're going through in Luke. And the the verses prior to this were the verses that Graham was going to um, speak about last week, but we got got, um, sidetracked by the Holy Spirit, praise God. And and it was great, it was great to just sense the presence of God move amongst us last week. And so, not to disjoint things and put me in an awkward position, Graham just said to me, carrying with the passage that you've got, and we'll probably address the, the one that... Um, as prior to this concerning Zacchaeus at a later date so um, that's where we are this morning praise the Lord thank you for the reading David Um, you'll find as I refer to my notes that some of the words will be quite, quite, quite slightly different but the same meaning is there thank you Father Right, an introduction to the passage. Uh, the passage in, is entitled in your Bible, is most likely, if you read in the NRV version, the Triumphal Entry. Triumphal Entry. And it's, a, it's a, of great significance as it is not mentioned only in the Synoptic Gospels, but also it mentions it in John's Gospel. And each passage adds to this account that we see in Luke. The, the Triumph Entry is the uh, only second incident that Jesus ministry is uh, sorry I'll say that again the triumph entry is the, only, is the only second incident in Jesus' ministry and all four evangelists recorded this and the first being the feeling of the 5,000 so this indicates a great importance of these scriptures that we read this morning about God's messianic program we'll see in this passage there's a mixture of emotions and jubilation and celebration together with weeping and sorrow and anguish. Also mixed in there is the righteous anger of God. And in it all we see the supremacy of the Lord Jesus Christ, his lordship over all things. Jesus had visited Jerusalem on many occasions, but this was different. It was at a pivotal juncture, one that had been foretold and prophesied about many hundreds years before. And we find that in the Old Testament in Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. And it says the following. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you. Righteous, having salvation, gentle, and riding on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. As I read these passages, there's, there are four things that really spoke to me, and I want to share those with you this morning. And the first one is in verse 31. And it's just a simple statement, and it says this, The Lord needs it. When the uh, King James Version, the Lord is in need of it. Verse 38, again, small sentence, Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And in verse 41, As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it. And in verse 46, my house will be a house of prayer. And we're going to be looking at those verses in a little bit more detail and bringing out what I believe God has laid on my heart for you this morning. So the background is that this trip to Jerusalem was of great significance to Jesus. This was the very object for which he had come. And it was, pl- it was the place that God had ordained to be the focal point of his plan. This entry into Jerusalem was going to be like no other. Jesus was travelling through Jericho. And on his way to Jerusalem, and via Bethpage and Bethany, it was with a clear purpose and intent and knowledge of knowing what was ahead of him, that he continued to lead the way to Jerusalem. He didn't hold back. He wanted to fulfill the word of God upon his life. In the previous chapter in Luke 18, verses 31 to 33, we read the following, starting at verse 31. Jesus took the twelve aside and told them, We are going to Jerusalem, and everything that is written by the, by the prophets about the Son of Man will be fulfilled. He will be handed over to the Gentiles. They will mock him, insult him, spit on him, flog him, kill him. On the third day he will rise again. The disciples did not understand any of this. Its meaning was hidden from them and they did not know what he was talking about. Little did Israelites, along with his disciples understand what a momentous and historic event that was going to take place. And again in Luke chapter 10 verse 43 to 45 we read the following And they were all amazed at the greatness of God with everyone, was marvelling at all that Jesus did. He said to his disciples, listen carefully to what I'm about to tell you. The Son of Man is going to be betrayed into the hands of men. But they did not understand what this meant. It was hidden from them, so they did not grasp it, and they were afraid to ask him about it. The fact that the popularity of Jesus had grown to an epic proportion through his preaching and his teaching, his miracles, his signs and wonders that he had performed, to mention just a few, the blind Bartimaeus in Mark chapter 10, and then we have another blind man who's unnamed in Matthew chapter 20, were given their sight in Jericho. Then the most spectacular spectacular miracle, however, was the, the raising of Lazarus, which happened very near Jerusalem in Bethany. The result of this miracle brought even greater popularity to our Lord and with some some people believing in him and others not. The news had spread creating an air of jubilation and those who had been first-hand witnesses of these events were rejoicing greatly and spreading the word and there were others who had heard it via them and they also joined in. So the news spread and it created a great Uh, incentive for the crowds to flock to Jerusalem to see for themselves this amazing prophet, this amazing man who had done all these miracles and signs and wonders. This popularity, however, alarmed the Pharisees who met together to discuss the crisis and who from that day on were intent on killing Jesus. The crowds were looking for a Messiah while the religious leaders did not recognize nor want this Jesus as any sort of spiritual figure, and were determined to close a door of opportunity to him that would further elevate him in any way. Besides this, it was Passover. It was a Passover feast, and the people from near and far had traveled to celebrate this special occasion. It was occasion of great historic value when God had delivered the Israelites from their enemies, the Egyptians. This was the birth of the nation of Israel and this festival commemorated this historical fact and it brought many pilgrims from all over to Jerusalem. The Israelites were all well aware that the Messiah was going to appear at Jerusalem and this was a place where he would be crowned king and bring with him the hope of deliverance from their enemy, the Romans. If God was able to deliver them from the hands of the Egyptians, he was able to deliver them from the hand of the Romans. This was the Lord's final trip to Jerusalem, where he would be crucified. Jesus had previously informed his disciples that he would be going to Jerusalem and to die and to be raised again on the third day. And even though at that time they did not understand this, Jesus kept on reminding them of this. In the context of the passage before us today, I'm struck and, am, and bemused really by two, two things. The first is the importance that's been attached to the procurement of the donkey and its, and its foal. Five verses out of the six of the first paragraph are devoted to acquiring what seems to be insignificant animals. Why? And then secondly, the paradox of the jubilation of the people, the celebration, in contrast with the sorrow and the weeping of the Saviour. Why does the Saviour weep when the crowds are jubilant? We shall attempt to seek the answers to these questions a little later on. But we begin at verse 28. The text tells us that Jesus got to the Mount of Olives, which was just outside the city, and he instructed two of his disciples to go and obtain a donkey and its colt. What is it that we can learn from these verses? It seems to me that there are at least two explanations or possible reasons for this record of events. The first is that Jesus had prearranged the procuring of these animals or secondly, that this was a supernatural act on the part of Jesus. Both suggestions essence seems plausible. However, the importance, I would suggest, lies not in the acquiring of the animals, but in the fulfilment of Zechariah's prophecy for which the animals were obtained. The text does not state whether the origin, origin of the event was of human or supernatural means. However, whichever of the two former hypotheses you adhere to, one thing is sure, that the event displays the authority and the lordship of Jesus Christ over all things. Philippians chapter 2 verse 10 says, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. In verse 31, if anyone asks you, what are you untying it? Why are you untying it? Tell him the Lord needs it. Why are you untying it? Tell him the Lord needs it. This is quite a short, profound statement. The Lord needs it. Period. Period. If the Lord needs it, then that's it. There's no debate. There's no reasoning. There's no argument. There's no discussion. Why? Because the Lord needs it. And because he is Lord. And we see his Lordship being exercised here. The disciples find everything as Jesus said and little did they know that they were going to be instrumental in the fulfilment of, of Zechariah's prophecy as they went to the village to obtain these animals just humor me a little bit this morning and try and put yourself in this modern day scenario put yourself in the disciples position would you feel comfortable going to someone's drive getting into their car and being pulled up by the owner and asked why or what you are doing How do you feel about that? Giving no explanation to them but just simply saying to them the Lord needs it. A simple task, nevertheless a difficult or rather awkward situation. This is something unsettling, uncomfortable about carrying out the task. I personally wouldn't feel happy about this. I don't know about you. Obedience is faith. Obedience in faith isn't always easy. In fact, sometimes it's unsettling. What is it that the Lord needs this morning from Jubilee Church? What is it the Lord needs from us individually this morning? I believe. It is obedience of faith. God wants you and I to extend our borders of faith. He wants to take us further in our experience of faith in him. He's asking us to extend our spiritual boundaries. Stretch the limits of your expectations, your hope and your trust. Some of us may find this difficult and awkward, even uncomfortable because it involves us stepping outside our own comfort zone. If we are to go forward as a church, if we are to grow and expand, if God is to establish his kingdom in Derby, and the surrounding areas and beyond, then the Lord needs it. The Lord needs it. What may you ask? Faith-filled obedience. Obedience. Faith-filled obedience. Are you ready for that? Am I ready for that? The Lord is in need of it. He is the Lord of everything. He doesn't need the animals. He doesn't need us. But he chooses. He chooses to use us. Faith-filled obedience. For those that owned their animals, as well as the disciples, it was clear act of obedience to the, to the Savior's request. Those that were instructed to acquire the animals had to exercise faith and believe that what Jesus said would actually happen and that they would find what Jesus had spoken to them about, as they, as he had said, said. The owners of the animals had to believe that the request was from the Lord Himself. There was faith involved. There was obedience involved in that. And if we're truly to grow in the Lord, then we will all need to exercise obedience. What is it that the Lord is asking you to do? What is it that the Lord is laying on your heart? What is it that the Lord is putting in your mind? What is it that you're struggling with? Our obedience as individuals and as a corporate body will affect what God is able to accomplish through us. Some of us may need to give up ownership of things. Things that might be getting in the way of faith-filled obedience. What is it that's getting in the way for you? Maybe it's just the business of life. Or maybe we have different priorities. Or maybe we're not just sure about God speaking to us. What is it? Others of us will need to untie the loose things that we are holding on to or holding back. Maybe it's a sin. Maybe it's guilt. Maybe it's fear, of trusting God. What is it? You. Wherever whatever it is, Jesus is Lord over it all and is able to help you. And I want to encourage you to seek the Lord. I want to encourage you to bring it before God. I want to encourage you to get alongside others that will be able to listen to you and help you and, and encourage you and see a breakthrough so that you can come into that place where you can be faithful and obedient to God. Our willingness to release these things, these situations and circumstances into the hands of God will will cause this lordship to reign. You know, this morning we've been hearing um, some stories of, of people who are in need. This city is in need. This city is in need of Jubilee Church. And the other surrounding churches. It's a need to be reached out to. Folks. God has given us salvation. God has given us peace. God has given us everything that we need. In order to reach the city. But that will happen. As we put ourselves In his hands. It'll happen as we're faithful and obedient to him. And I believe that as we move forward as a church, that God is calling us as a body to reach out to the city. And there are people here with different gifts and abilities that God wants to use. What are you doing with those abilities? Where are you placing your time? Have you given that to the Lord? Obedience. Verse 38, it talks as the following. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. This verse shows um, enthusiasm, joy, jubilation of the people. And the whole place was stirred up with excitement. There was a great atmosphere of celebration. The Messiah, the King, was here. The one who would liberate his people. There were shouts of joy and praise. There would be those who would be clapping and cheering and singing and exalting God with hallelujahs. Praise and worship was evident and clear. The atmosphere was exhilarating. It was amazing in this euphoria it was the people the disciples that put jesus on the colt and led him into the city and as he went along they laid their cloaks down in tribute and recognition of his kingship and lordship they had seen the miracles they'd seen the signs they'd seen the wonders and they were excited and they and they showed their excitement in paying homage to him in this way Yet in the midst of these voices, there were others. And they were the voices of the Pharisees who asked the the Saviour to rebuke the disciples to which the Lord only endorsed and reaffirmed his acceptance of all that was taking place. You know, the greatest travesty in Christendom is the failure of Christians to give unto the king the praise and worship that's really due his name and his majesty. Let not only Sunday be a day of praise and worship, but let us take time every day to offer him worship and thanks. And when we come together, let us shout his praise with no less vigour than when we would be jumping out of our seats at the tennis final, cheering on the person that we want to see victorious. thank you Lord if you're not a sports fan that's okay it may be that you uh, you're brought out to your feet um, by a, a magnificent and exhilarating performance by an artist or a band and you're jumping up and down and you're jigging around that's good, that's great praise God folks I just want to say this morning there's no greater victory than the cross There's nothing more exciting than Jesus. So don't hold back. Let your praise be heard and seen. Be spontaneous, energetic, and passionate and real.
1: Thanks for listening to this Jubilee Church podcast. Feel free to check out our website at www.jubilee.org.uk. I'm ni something